I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Saturday School. This is our season on Troublemakers, and today we're going to be talking about the 1993 film Terminal USA by John Moritsugu. I feel like we created the season for John Moritsugu, at least in my own head. <laughs> Did you really? We should create a season to make sure John Moritsugu has a place in Saturday school. As part of the quote-unquote bad boys of Asian American cinema that also includes Greg Araki and Roddy Bogawa. John Moritsugu makes Roddy Bogawa look like a church boy. <laughs> For people who don't know about him or his work, tell us about him. Sure. So John Martzegu comes from a very different kind of cinematic tradition than what we were thinking about Asian American cinema being. Definitely in like 1993, but although I would say even today, his track would be somewhat peripheral. Uh, I think he famously graduated from Brown, where he studied semiotics. So his perspective on film is one more from like experimental filmmaking, messing around with the conventions, messing around genres, thinking about how like signs on screen can disorient us or reorient us, as opposed to telling stories about quote unquote important subjects, which is what traditionally Asian American cinema does. Like Asian American cinema traditionally helps us see ourselves in a more authentic light. Or another way of thinking about it is a positive image if Hollywood usually gives us the negative images of Asian Americans. Sean Marzugu seems just fundamentally uninterested in positive <laughs> images of Asian Americans. His films are therefore a little bit more underground, a little bit, you can call it unpolished, although I think that it's very, very intentionally artful. They're usually like, they look like they've been dragged through the mud, both like visually, but also in terms of like good taste. His <laughs> films are full of like people on drugs and violence being committed and kind of cruel sex acts and just things that seem really distasteful to proper society. If Asian American cinema is this thing that's like trying to do good, and it's about social progress. John Morrisugu comes from a history of filmmaking that is about... Demolishing all of that? Demolishing it and revealing it for its own kind of dishonesty. And usually his movies are not about Asian Americans. I mean, a lot of films where the only Asian American character is whoever he's playing, if he's in it at all. So that's another reason he's not usually considered part of the corpus of Asian American cinema. And then there is Terminal USA. <laughs> The story is that in the early 1990s, ITVS, which is, you can call it a TV series that gets shown on PBS, each episode is a different film. Basically, ITVS exists to fund independent filmmakers to get shown on PBS. And they want to do the series on TV families and have it be an alternative to the usual TV families that we get on network television. So they were interested in things that are a little bit more cutting edge. But John Mortsugu is not just cutting edge. He will cut you until you bleed. Um, <laughs> so he submits this project. About a Japanese-American family. And they're all kind of playing the parts that you might normally see in a standard American network sitcom. Like mom, dad, and, and the kids, grandpa. It's like a multi-camera <laughs> show in limited locations in their house. And this was a year or two before All-American Girl with Margaret Cho came out. And John Morisugu wanted to show sort of the, the dark underbelly of suburban America, suburban Asian America. So what are some of the things that we see in this movie? Like, like who are the characters here? There's Kazumi, one of the sons, and he's played by John Morisugu. Like right 
I guess he's kind of like a stereotype of this punk teenager. He has like the ripped jeans. He has bleached blonde hair, smoky eyes. But the smoky eyes are really just like this thick circle drawn around his eyes. <laughs> I read his eyes, his like crazy dark eyes as panda eyes. They look like panda eyes to me. Yeah. yeah. Which knowing that John Morisugo comes from semiotics, I think that he's trying to relate that to some kind of strange decontextualized Asian-ness. You didn't mention that um, Katsumi is actually best known in town as like the person to go to for drugs. Like he's the ultimate drug dealer in town. So the plot of the movie is that he has some very unsatisfied customers he has to deal with. And then we have his twin, also played by John Morizuku, named Marvin, who's like the stereotype of the model minority Asian American male. Why can't you two be more like your brother Marvin? And then when we're first introduced to him, it, it's so hilarious. He's playing with the protractor, and he's just like staring at this protractor for what feels like way too long. It's just like him like staring really solemnly with the protractor, and then in slow motion, he brings it up to his face and looks through it. <laughs> this is what, I guess, <laughs> he thinks white people think Asian American males are. <laughs> And then we have the daughter, who's a cheerleader, Holly, played by Jenny Wu, who is like kind of a good girl. To, to mom and dad, she's a good girl. But deep down, she may harbor thoughts that her parents think are a little bit impure. And I'm not a stupid virgin, if that's what you're hinting at. So you've experienced the joy and ecstasy of the natural configuration of man and woman. God! words turn me on this is 1993 but all the outfits i think scream 80s and the cinematography screams 70s <laughs> and then we have the mother sharon omi's character she's wearing this like pink fur yeah like sort of like a negligee it's something like maybe you'd wear to like the playboy mansion was oh, that right kind of but there's something kind of over the top in like a Peggy Bundy sort of way. She's taking care of her sick father, who's basically in bed for this entire movie. And she's very bubbly. She's kind of stealing his morphine. She's a little bit eager. She's got sexual desires that have gone unfulfilled. And then we have Ken Narasaki, who's married to Sharon Omi in real life. I did not know that until you told me and my mind is blown. <laughs> he plays the sitcom dad character who just wants the best for his children, but that means that they maintain a certain degree of purity and respectability as a Japanese-American family. But he also has some anger issues and maybe, like, murderous tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> and then Katsumi's girlfriend named April, <laughs> who is played by Amy Davis, John Mortsuku's real-life wife, who is a frequent collaborator of his. One of the more sinister things about this film is that Grandpa is just lying there through all this, doesn't say a word, and deep down, everyone wants him to die so they can collect money. They have a lawyer ready to go to collect damages on wrongful death of Grandpa. A lawyer named Tom Sawyer the lawyer, <laughs> who's white and so orange. So white and Imagine orange. Imagine Rob Lowe, slicked back hair, very, very, very orange hitting on the teenage daughter. This is also Donald Trump. Like, like the slick back orange guy, early 90s. The lecherous lawyer who's also there hoping for the death of grandpa, which in itself is already so downbeat and sinister, yet is not even related to really the bulk of the weird stuff that's happening in this movie. I know, I had actually forgotten about that. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, when you said we gotta get something out of the way, I was like, which part do we need to get out of the way? <laughs> it's really fun, though. It's a really fun movie. It's really fun. It's like it's only it's under an hour and it goes by so fast. And the part that makes it exponentially more fun watching it 25 years later is understanding the backstory of how it caused a little bit of controversy at the time. Yeah, so I mean, PBS we think about as that approach to quote-unquote important subjects that animates a lot of Asian American cinema. I mean, a lot of like documentaries about internment camps and such. So for that venue to fund and then later play something as depraved as Terminal USA just kind of puts a smile on our faces. And so I'm looking it up right now, and this is coming from Juno Kata's book, Making Asian American Film and Video, which everyone who cares about Asian American cinema should take a look at. Out of the 210 available markets nationwide, only 150 agreed to play it. But the funnier part about the fact that some of the PBS stations refuse to play it is that some of the PBS stations actually play this on TV. <laughs> <laughs> So potentially why people would be a little bit uh, suspect of, of their taxpayer dollars in a very small way helping to fund this. I just made a list of things. Okay, what's your list? There are drugs. Drugs, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's blood. Mm-hmm. There's urine. There is puke. At least I think it's puke. There are characters like skinheads, pizza delivery men who end up being something weirder than that. The dad in the movie has this great line he uses to describe his bad son. You are the mutated young stain on the silk of this clan, which I think is such a beautiful way of describing it. There's also a line where the dad's really angry that he got a racist letter calling him a chink. But his reaction is, I am not a chink. I'm a Jap. We're Japs. Chink is not the same as Jap. There's a big, big difference. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I can see like a bunch of people like the the folks who are vying for a more positive Asian-American cinema being like, you're not helping things. (laughs) This deconstruction is not helping anything. But I think it is. It's deconstructing everything, including the institutions of positivity. Um, something kind of trashy about all of this. It's presented in a way for you to not really take it that seriously and also like not really to be that scared. It's winking at you the whole time. More so than even something like Twin Peaks, which came out just a little bit before this. Twin Peaks is also this demented inversion of the soap opera form. Except Twin Peaks is going harder into the suspense horror territory. Whereas John Morsugu is like perfectly fine just being strange and funny. <laughs> I really love the scene where the mom, who is kind of propositioning the pizza boy <laughs> in exchange for sex, she wants cheese bread. That sounds like a fair swap. But as part of the deal, I also want you to bring me a piping hot loaf of cheese bread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds right. Bye. There's just like so many good little moments like that. What are you looking for? A bottle. Why? To pee into Waxhead. That way I don't have to leave your room. You know how much I hate having to deal with your creepy family. The way I see it is, it's like characters from sitcoms, which are already artificial. But they're all on drugs. Not just the characters are drugged, but it seems like the actors are also drugged. It seems like <laughs> the director, everybody, like the art director, whoever was building the sets, they just took a mighty hit of something, and then this is what it looked like. Some of it also reminded me of like Werner Herzog's film, where he hypnotized all of his actors before filming them. Like there's something about that <laughs> that's that's at play here too. So yeah, so there's no way you're gonna take this as reality, which is like a, a, a such a different way of thinking about Asian American cinema, which has always 
been founded on this idea that we are going to show the real version of Asian Americans because Hollywood shows the not real versions. Whereas John Marsuku goes in the opposite direction. Hollywood shows not real depictions. I'm going to show you the, the really, really not real depictions of Asians that somehow loops all the way back around in a circle and comes back to reality. <laughs> It's super funny to me because I just watched this recently, but I met Ken Narasaki and Sharon Omi through interviewing them about their theater work, including a play called Nono Boys. So <laughs> they literally taught me what Nono Boys were. <laughs> so it's like so funny watching them in a story that's on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> and I don't know anything about when they got married, but... I really hope they met on the set of this movie and then their love bloomed there. There, there. There's nothing more romantic than this movie full of skinheads and drug users. Yes. But that, that's funny. Like, yeah, because when I think about Sharonomi and Ken Narasaki in a film together, I think of Eat With Me from a few years ago, which I think like Nono Boys is very, very earnest about wanting to like teach us lessons about the experience of Asian Americans in a way that like you could imagine PBS getting behind. It's a mother like coming to terms with her gay son. But the funny thing is, as it turns out, Terminal USA has a subplot about a mother and her gay son, and it does it in as different a way as you can imagine. <laughs> it's, it's not really a good lesson. <laughs> There's a scene with the dad talking to the daughter about her purity, and it's like a full house Tanner family moment. Holly, did he try to whack the mighty home run? Are you mad at me, Dad? No, dear. You are my little doll. I could never be mad at you for anything. But in the future, it is very important for you to think first about your purity and the purity of this family's name. We may be called upon very soon to testify. The dad's idea of maintaining purity, it's because we have to one day convince a jury that we are not the kind of family to kill grandpa. <laughs> it is important that we all be as pure as the driven snow. Do you understand? Oh, dad. I love you. Given all of this, I feel like Terminal USA is somehow still like the least perverse of all the movies of his that I've seen. <laughs> this still feels like it's somewhat safe for TV. His movies can get a lot crazier. There's a movie called Modfuck Explosion, another one called Pig Death Machine. They're usually a lot more aggressive in their style too. This one, I think because he's trying to skewer the sitcom, it still has a lot of the feeling of innocence that comes with the genre. A lot of John Moritzuga's films are like just so hallucinogenic that you don't even know what you're watching sometimes. This one is druggy, but like soft drugs. Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that feature stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our new website at SaturdaySchoolPodcast.com where you can find lecture notes and links to all the films we covered. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. And our podcast handle is Wake Up Set School. Next week, your assignment is to watch the 2015 film Female Pervert by Ji Young Lee. Class dismissed.
Yeah, I'm looking at IMDb trivia. The film was almost put on Japan U.S. flights for Northwest Airlines, but they decided against it at the last minute. <laughs> like I like that this part, part is about they decided against it at the last minute, as if people were sitting around wondering, maybe, maybe, should, should we do it? Should we? But I'm just picturing it because I imagine this would be before they everyone had their own private screens on a. Oh my plane, gosh! So you're I think right. Everyone would have to watch it. Oh my goodness. Because, yeah, it's the idea. A movie about an Asian American family, what could be more chaste than that? It'd be, it'd be like, the, as, as, like, the worst that could happen is like saving face and someone turns out to be a lesbian. I feel like that's usually, that's such a cliche of Asian American cinema that I could see why this could have slipped in somehow. <laughs> or they needed something Asian. Right, and I love that. I, I love like that sort of PC, like, we need to include everybody. But they only let one Asian American in and it was John Martzuk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you only have one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we're all the better for it.